We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Pod. Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz here with you as we are every Wednesday morning around 10:30 a.m. Eastern Time. Brandon, uh, suffice it to say, we have a lot to get to. I know our, our guy Steve Alexander, he had Raphael Johnson on the pod with him yesterday. They were able to break down the Terry Rozier trade, uh, but we'll offer some more insight on that. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts, especially as far as what that means for Miami. And of course, we got to talk Adrian Griffin and uh, it sounds like Doc Rivers uh, as well, uh, who, who seems to be reportedly, I guess, uh, shakily reported, the the successor to Adrian Griffin in Milwaukee. Uh, but we'll get to that in a moment, Brandon. First and foremost, how are you, man? I'm doing great. It's been a whirlwind these last couple of days. And on top of it all, we had some monster performances the other day in the NBA, seemingly all happening at once. So something mm -hmm. crazy in the water the other night, 39 from Tatum, 43 from KD in a winning effort. Somehow Carl Anthony Towns gets up to 60 against the Hornets and they lose, makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And Bede drops 70. So uh, it's been a wild few days. I, as far as my magic schedule goes, they played a back-to-back -back Sunday and Monday. Um, I had some golf tournament media day responsibilities mm. so i was it was a whirlwind for me over a couple of days and now everything has just settled down the magic don't play till this weekend and um i'm just smooth sailing so kick back relax and, and ready to chat with you very charitable of you to mention the jason tatum 39 point game the other night uh that was you know on, on most nba nights that would be like yeah that, that was the, the performance of the night uh right. kind of got buried by by towns getting to 44 in the first half like you mentioned a bead 70 uh, but we'll look back on those in a bit. I, I'm catching a flight in like, I don't know, five hours uh, out of here, going to going to Arizona, got golf uh, on the books, 54 holes over these next couple of days. So um, you know, this is this is kind of my <clears throat> excuse me, my last work obligation before that. So I'll do my best to to not oh. be like, you know, mixing in all these like golf puns, because that's really all I'm thinking about is getting to warmer weather, playing for the first time in weeks. And I'm also a little concerned about what the game's going to look like. Yeah, I uh, so I and I'm not I'm not the golfer that you are, but um, I love covering the sport, especially when the Arnold Palmer Invitational comes around, and they had their media day on Monday, 
and you'll love this. We went out to the course and every year they set up a different media challenge. It'll be just some sort of game that they create. And there's usually some sort of theme to it. This year we had to recreate Kurt Kitayama's 50 foot putt to win. He had a two putt in order to win. And he was like an inch away from the cup in the actual tournament. And so they wanted, they had us shoot from the exact same spot on 18. Uh, It was a really, it was just a, cool to sort of reenact that and try and hit it exactly the way that he did. And, um, I missed, but, but was close what? for somebody who doesn't golf. I felt pretty good about my, yeah, so you, did, about my did you leg it into, into Gibby distance? You know, you gotta, you gotta kind of hit, hit the ball to the left and then it breaks right, but you don't want to hit it too hard. Cause then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the roll will take you into the water. So you gotta have to a little mm-hmm. bit of, a little bit of muscle, but touch, you know, it's like uh, there's a oh, fine yeah. line there. But uh, I think I think I did well, um, even even in the miss. But he missed too. That's the thing. You go back to last yeah. year, so Coward. you know, and he's a pro. He is. He is. I, I know the process very well uh, for putts like that. It doesn't always doesn't always go my way. I would say that's a pretty glaring weakness of my game. As you know, we, we've played together before. Uh, a fifty not, not footer. Exactly. That's not an easy. You know, that's no easy yeah. ask. I will say though, I, I have since obtained a new putter. Since we played in Vegas, uh, I was I was at the time using a mini golf putter uh, after I, I had, you know, my, my previous putter had suffered an incident where the head literally fell off. Um, and I actually I kind of was putting OK by my standards with the mini golf putter. But we're back to a standard one. I'm no longer embarrassed to pull that out uh, when I'm playing with people that I don't know. Uh, so we're moving in the right direction there. Um, all right. A couple of business items to take care of before we dive in. As usual, you know, we'll, we'll talk some fantasy notes in the first half of the pod, and then we will take all of your fantasy questions in the chat over the second half of the pod. So feel free to throw those in there now. We are not ignoring them by any means. We will hit those. We'll hit as many as we can over the second half. So keep stacking those up in the chat. Those always make for a good pod. We're brought to you by Underdog. Underdog Fantasy is the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pickup contests. If you haven't tried Underdog yet, new users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. All you got to do, use the code RWNBA. That's R-W, as in R-W McCorders, R-W-N-B-A. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app and use that promo code RWNBA to claim your deposit bonus. Again, that's up to 100 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. We're also brought to you by FanDuel. Tackle millions in prizes all playoffs long. In FanDuel Fantasy Contest, we only got three games left, so get on this. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now, new customers get a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. Playing fantasy for huge, massive cash prizes, colossal cash prizes, Brandon, on FanDuel is both fun and exciting. Just draft your lineup and watch your team move up the leaderboard. You play on FanDuel. I play on FanDuel. We've been doing it all year. Super, super fun. Uh, obviously, we do a lot of NBA DFS, but... I really think NFL DFS on a Sunday is my favorite. It gives you something else to, to kind of keep you engaged while you're keeping an eye on every game. Plus, on FanDuel, you can choose full slate contests featuring multiple games, single game contests. You can set up a private contest with your friends. You can do season-long best ball, beginner only. Those are great. If you're just learning the ropes, they got a ton of options there. Um, you know, they'll be doing baseball, best ball drafts coming up soon. So if you're into that, go check those out at FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid instantly. So NFL playoffs going on right now. Get that 100% deposit match over on FanDuel up to 100 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com to start playing right now for huge cash prizes. 
All right. Um, I should address, by the way, Brandon, you can see my, my room, uh, the backdrop behind me continues to evolve. We no longer have like wallpaper that's peeling off of the walls. We got all that. Yeah, it looks great. Um, well, we're going, we're going with more of an asylum look right now. It's very white in here. Um, I have some of the other walls painted. Um, once we get back from, from Arizona, we'll, we'll finish it up. So this will continue to look better and better and less and less like I'm in some sort of lockdown situation and just want to get out ahead of the narrative on that. Um, eventually, you know, I'll have some memorabilia and things of that nature behind me, such as my Rashid Wallace, uh, beanie baby that I am dying to display. <laughs> Can we get, we need to get, yeah. I mean, at least temporarily, could you put up like a fat head or something like that? There it is. Oh, the bla uh, blazers Rashid Wallace. Oh yeah. Beanie As you baby. can see, it's a, it's a collector item number 7,154 out of 10,000. I'm surprised there are that many. That's wild. I, I assume this must have been a giveaway at some point, but I, you know, I, I'm sure you, you do the same thing. Every now and then I'll go on these sprees where I'm like trolling eBay and, and sites like that for just like random memorabilia. And look, when you could buy a Rasheed Wallace Beanie Baby for $350, you got to do it. That's $3.50, not $350 to be clear. Oh, for sure. That's a, that's a steal. I a steal so in the Rashid in the Rashid Wallace Beanie Baby market. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah I, I bought the dip on Rashid Wallace Beanie Baby. All right, I think um, you should put together like an entire mid two thousands All Star team with Beanie Babies. Let's let's get four more in the rotation. Uh, if that was if that's a possibility, I I am absolutely in. That is there. There's a certain nostalgia for people around our age with that era of basketball, even though it was. Yeah, it wasn't a great era in terms of the overall talent. Like, I think we have like twice as much elite talent in the league now as we did in 2002. Um, you know, post Jordan, there was kind of a lull there for a little bit. But there's, there's sure. something about like the, the uniforms, the logos, the guys who were making all star teams at that time that is um, incredibly nostalgic in a positive way. Well, that's your childhood right there. It is. Right. You're telling me that's the heart of it. Me. The, my yeah, my I mean, introduction into the NBA was the mid 90s. So everything. Like that, that's not touchable for me. Yeah, and I, I think enough. you were, you were a couple of years later in terms of your, I'm like, born, I was born in 92. Okay. Yeah. So I'm seven years younger than you. So that makes sense in terms of what we view as untouchable nostalgia, NBA perfection, whatever you started with is usually the, in your head, the best version of it. Yes. Rashid exactly. Wallace in a Blazers Jersey exemplifies the start of your basketball love. Yeah, uh, it was a tough one to explain to my parents, like why I was like, why, why is the Rasheed Wallace jersey on your Christmas list as an eight year old in Wisconsin? Um, but anyway, that, that we'll, we'll do a full episode on that at some point. Um, all right, let's talk Rozier. He, he now plays for the Miami Heat. Uh, this this happened yesterday morning, probably about 24 hours ago. Um, got that 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 trade news. Kyle Lowry headed out to to Charlotte. Doesn't sound like he's going to be playing for the Hornets at any point. No surprise there. I think they'll try to reroute him if they can. I don't know. Like, I think teams are interested in Kyle Lowry. I don't know who's going to be willing to trade for him, given the number. Um, you know, you'd have to be kind of sending out, like, a similarly bad veteran contract that you don't really want. So my, my guess is he makes it to the buyout market, and then that becomes interesting. I mean, obviously, he hasn't really done anything the last year and a half. Like, the numbers have completely fallen off a cliff, but I think there's still some value with Kyle Lowry. And I think, you know, teams like Philly and, and Milwaukee would be in the mix for him, but obviously that's not the exciting part of this trade. The, the exciting part is Rozier landing in Miami. He's having a career year, man. I mean, I, I still think, you know, you, you, when you're first thinking about Terry Rozier, it's like, all right, yeah, he's back to back 20 plus point per game seasons, but he's doing it in Charlotte. Does it really matter? The team's not winning games. I, I think he's been fantastic, man. 23 points a game, 
6.6 assists, four rebounds, super efficient by his standards. You know, he shot 41% last year. He's up to 46% this year. Free throw shooting is up. Three-point shooting is up. Um, you know, I, I was on Alex yesterday on the NBA show. Like, if, if I'm Miami and I basically had a choice between training for Levine and Rozier, you know, I think coming into the year, obviously everybody would have said Levine's a better player. Like, they're at the very least comparable. And I, I think Rozier is actually a better fit for Miami. Like, he he just he yeah. seems like a heat culture guy. And I think, you know, Miami ha- has a history of bringing these guys in, elevating them to a new level. And I think Rozier's numbers likely fall off, you know, as a byproduct of joining a, a much better team. But fit-wise, I think this is a home run. And, and Miami didn't really have to give up that much. That's the interesting thing about it. And I've been thinking about that with all these trades that we've been seeing, the Raptors guys that have already been sent away and and now with Terry Rozier. It seems like the trade market is uh, really affordable this year. We're not seeing any trades that to me seem like uh, like you're having to break the bank in order to improve your roster. Look at what Miami was able to do. They weren't even starting Kyle Lowry anymore, and they have seriously upgraded at the point guard position, uh, and all they had to do really was was move off of a 2027 first-round pick, uh, and I don't want to act like first-round picks aren't valuable. Look at what Jaime Jaquez picked at the back end of the first round is doing for Miami, so if you hit right, it, th- those can be great cheap assets, but you only have so many first-round picks over the years that you can really fit into a rotation. So this is a huge win for Miami, not only because you have improved that Kyle Lowry piece in your rotation, but because you didn't have to mortgage your future in order to do it. Uh, The Rozier part, I completely agree. I think he's a better fit than a guy like Levine would have been because he answers that point guard problem that this franchise has had for a couple of years. It's the reason they were in the Kyle Lowry market to begin with. They've been trying to figure this part out. Zach Levine doesn't really answer that question. Um, Rogier is more of a combo guard, but I think he can play that point guard position, allows Tyler Hero to play more off ball. And I I think it's just going to help overall. He's a pesky defender. So, you know, that should be a hashtag heat culture sort of a fit as well. I think it's a win across the board for Miami. Um, Mm -hmm. Fantasy-wise, not as good for Terry Rogier, but, but certainly an uptick for the Miami Heat. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Yeah, it's definitely a downgrade fantasy-wise for Rozier. Um, but, you know, Rozier had also, you know, his numbers had kind of regressed back to what you'd expect with LaMelo Ball back in the lineup. But I think part of the reason numbers are what they are this season is LaMelo missed so much time. And, you know, concurrently with that, like P.J. Washington's out, Mark Williams is out, Gordon Hayward's out. So it was it was a Terry Rozier show in Charlotte for a solid month. And it went about as you'd expect. You know, last three games before the trade, 17 points, 19 points, 11 points. He was still taking a ton of shots. Usage rate was still up there. Uh, Just really wasn't shooting the ball well. He's one of his last 18 from three. So I I don't read too much into that. But, yeah, I I think for fantasy purposes, you kind of knew the Rozier run was probably coming to an end once LaBella Ball came back. Uh, But this is definitely a downgrade. I mean, obviously you're still fine with him. You know, if if you want to try to capitalize and and swing some sort of trade, maybe you could. But it's, it's not like this is a disaster necessarily for Rozier. You know, Miami now has a really interesting roster because you know you have with Rozier now four, like all four of your your top four: Butler, Adebayo, Hero, and Rozier. All these guys kind of do it all, right? They they all rebound well for their position. They all average at least four assists per game. It's like you, you have so many options where if you're in a playoff game and Tyler Hero doesn't have it, well, there's Terry Rozier. Or if Terry Rozier doesn't have it, there's Tyler Hero. Like it gives them there is a little overlap specifically with those two players. But I think it builds in a lot of insurance. Um, you know, if one of those guys is having an off night in, you know, Miami, it felt like somewhat of a Cinderella run to the finals last season. It's, it's certainly difficult to replicate a run like that. But they were also without Hero for the vast majority of the postseason. And you get him back. Uh, you add Rozier to the mix. Like, I, I think their roster is in significantly better shape now. Plus, Hawkins, of course, way better shape now than it was going into the playoffs last year. Absolutely. And look at what they had to overcome in order to get to the point where they were in the playoffs last year. The Miami Heat were a play-in team. They had no business. They had to knock off a number one seed um, or or I think it was number two seed that in order to make it to that point. And then and then eventually the Boston Celtics as well. But um, yeah, they're not going to have to do that this year. This team is probably going to be in the playoffs, not the play-in. And so they'll have better seating. They'll be able um, to set themselves up for a better chance to advance without having to kill themselves in the process. Jimmy Butler went into God mode last year in the playoffs, but like anybody would that was playing at that level, unless you're Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. And Rasheed so that's Wallace. the list. That's the whole list. Uh, what was that? Rasheed Wallace. Oh, Rasheed. Of course. Yeah. Sorry. I apologize, Rasheed. Yes. Please send my regards to the Beanie mm-hmm. Baby. Uh, you're going to run out of gas. And that's exactly what happened to Jimmy Butler last year. I think this allows them to be in a better position when the playoffs start. And then also 
make sure that you keep enough in that Butler tank because at the end of the day, in terms of how far this team can go, it's all going to come down to can Jimmy Butler produce at that level when you need him to. I go back to you know what they gave up. 2027 protected first, lottery protected in 27. Uh, if it does not convey, then it could get a, a little bit dicey for Miami. Uh, it would become unprotected in 28. But that's kind of what you have to do in the modern NBA. If you look at just about every team that's contending right now, they're pretty highly leveraged in terms of future draft picks. That's just how it works. So I don't, I don't have any problem whatsoever with the price Miami paid. I actually it was a little bit less than I expected, and you know, getting out yeah. of the Lowry deal that's big. Um, he wasn't really giving them anything kind of disappointed in how that whole situation worked. I thought it was a pretty nice fit on paper, but you know, you forget how many miles are on Kyle Lowry at this point in his career. So pretty massive upgrade there. I, you know, I, I do wonder if Charlotte could have done better. Obviously I'm, I'm sure they shopped Rozier around to some other teams, but you know, in, in general, I think picking up that, that extra asset, I mean, we're, to me, we're likely heading toward like kind of another full reset for the Hornets around the mellow. You know, it's like, does PJ Washington become available? I think they'll certainly, They'll certainly attempt to trade Gordon Hayward, you know, at, at his contract figure, that's going to be a, a pretty difficult one. But, you know, right now it's like, how many, how many keepers are on this roster for Charlotte? He's like, obviously Brandon Miller's played well lately. You feel pretty yeah. good about the trajectory he's on. LaMelo already a star in this league. But other than that, I mean, obviously Mark Williams, when he's healthy, he's looked fine. You know, I, I still think they're, they're very much, you know, in the mix for, trying to find, you know, their future number two, number three, number four type of guys. I mean, bringing in Gordon Hayward a few years ago, that was always kind of a weird move and never felt like it was, it was going to make that much of an impact. But I, I think he could be next. I think there could be a few more moves coming for Charlotte if teams are willing to pay up. Yeah, yeah I, I think the only pieces in terms of the big names that are on the Charlotte Hornets that you can be confident aren't going anywhere would be Brandon Miller, who has played really well as of late, and LaMelo Ball. They're going to continue to try and keep him healthy and build the franchise around him as their star guard. Um, I don't know if Steve Clifford's long for the Hornets, but that's probably a postseason move or an offseason move. But this team has 10 wins. So I think everybody, everybody's on the block and they're going to try and position themselves for the draft. Um, interesting to see what happens tonight. Two of the worst teams in the NBA go head to head and you have the Pistons as three and a half point favorites. So uh, have fun with that one. But uh, yeah, I mean the Charlotte Hornets team. I think you're. I think Gordon Hayward is definitely gonna find his way out, and and could even be a buyout candidate if um if they don't end up finding a trade partner for him. I think Miles Bridges is another one that if they can find a trade partner, they'll move off of him too. Uh, in thinking about the Terry Rozier part of it and why it was why they were able or didn't get a, a lot for him from Miami or anybody else that may have been in the market. I think it all comes down to dollars and cents. He, he makes twenty around $24 million a year, and he's not an unrestricted free agent until 2026. So you're committing years to Terry Rozier. A lot of teams that get into the trade market, if they're going to commit to several years down the road, they want a superstar. If not, they yeah. want flexibility. And that's the one thing that Terry Rozier doesn't really provide. That's true. Uh, he is under contract at almost 25 mil next year, but 25-26 partially guaranteed. That's his his age 31 season. So I, I think Miami does have a reasonable amount of flexibility here. And, you know, obviously I, I think they view Rozier as, as part of this core. So it's, it's not like you have a problem with him being under contract beyond this season. And, you know, you're not, you're not taking him up through like age 34 or anything. So I, again, I think this is pretty clearly a home run for Miami, especially when you, you oh, factor yeah. in the fit of Rozier. 
Let's talk Adrian Griffin. Let's talk Bucks here, and then we'll hit some questions in the chat. I've been waiting to talk to you about this since I saw the news break. You're yeah. you're up in that area. I I'm, I need you to fill me in on what the hell is going on with this situation. I, I'm in just pure speculation mode over here. Well, none of this is surprising, to be totally honest. It's not surprising at all. Uh, it, it, it's a little surprising that they did it, you know, in the midst of what's been a pretty decent stretch, you know, back-to-back wins over over Detroit. Uh, you had the, the big win over the weekend as well. I, I, You know, this has been bubbling under the surface since Terry Stotts was let go since three games into the season. You know, it sounded like there was a mini revolt against Adrian Griffin's defensive schemes. I think Milwaukee made the right move. Like I, I asked our guy Barutha on XM last night, straight up. I'm like, obviously you don't want to fire your coach 43 games into the year. That's not a, it's not a positive typically. You know, I think the only time it's really worked out was the David Blatt situation, which was eerily similar. Um, although that was his second season. And of course they brought in Ty Lue and went on to win the title. But um, you know, I, I asked him, do you feel better about the Bucks' chances to win the title right now than you did at the time, eight hours ago when Adrian Griffin was still the coach? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Like, how, how could you not, right? I, I think this team, it's actually amazing to me that they're 30 and 13, while very clearly not believing in their coach, playing, you know, the wrong schemes on, on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I, th- I think that just speaks to the level of talent and the kind of season that Giannis is having, where, you know, you could be poorly coached, nobody could be on the same page, and you're still the second best team in the Eastern Conference. I, my read on this, and, you know, there's been a lot of reporting in the last 12 hours, uh, you know, kind of thing, some of the, the typical postmortem that you get in these situations I don't think anybody like disliked Adrian Griffin, the guy. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think this was a situation where they just couldn't stand him, and you know, nobody, nobody was receptive to what he was saying. I think they didn't respect his coaching acumen, right? I mean, all all the reporting has been everybody gave him a chance, everybody was patient, and it just didn't work out. So if I'm Milwaukee, I'm okay pulling the plug at this juncture, doing it early enough in the season that you can you can install somebody. It certainly looks like it's going to be Doc Rivers uh, stepping in, which we can get to that in a moment. I'm not sure how I feel about that decision. But, you know, I, I think rather than waiting this out, you know, obviously the front office was well aware of, of how the players felt about, about Griffin as a coach. I, I think they knew it was a sinking ship, right? So it, it's a dramatic move. You know, it, it's going to, to cause ripple effects. It, it's going to be a big story in the NBA all week. I get that. I think it was absolutely the right call for Milwaukee. Absolutely the right call. I, I think it is probably the right call, but the fact that it's the right call and, and it's this early in the season, you just passed the halfway mark. You should take a good hard look at whoever made the decision to bring him in. And I think that their job should be in question. Why move off of Mike Budenholzer, who has been a perennially successful coach, to bring in, if you're going to do it, and you bring in somebody who has experience that can help develop the chemistry between a pair of superstars that are now playing together, Adrian Griffin obviously wasn't that guy because they made this decision so quickly. Um, I don't know what they saw in him from a resume standpoint, a personality standpoint that made them say this was the right move. Uh, so that is a huge swing and a miss. And for you to admit that you've made a mistake this early in the season, especially after the coach has helped the team win, at least we think, 30 of their first 43 games, it is a huge red flag for the decision-making in that franchise. Look at the – there are only two coaches in NBA history – that have been fired quicker for their first stint with the team. So this, like David Blatt wouldn't qualify. Mike Brown yeah. with the Lakers John wouldn't Beeline? qualify. What was that? John Beeline, that would be my guess. Uh, not on the list. Jerry okay. Tarkanian in the 90s with the San Antonio Spurs. 
started 9-11, and 11, got fired after 20 games, couldn't win over the locker room, and he was having panic attacks on the sideline. The other one was Bob Weiss, who coached the Seattle Supersonics when they had Ray Lewis, or uh, not Ray Lewis, Ray Allen and Richard Lewis. Um, and they went th- he went 13 and 17 through the first 30 games. That was it. Those are the two. So 9 and 11, 13 and 17 with David Robinson on one team, Ray Allen and Richard Lewis on the other. So clearly there were expectations that were not being met. That's the confusing thing about Adrian Griffin. You're falling short defensively, but how can you say the expectations aren't being met? When you're the second best team in the Eastern Conference. So I am miffed by this. I get that. I get that. And John Beeline, by the way, he made it 54 games. That's way longer. Than I, for some reason, I was thinking he got fired like two months in. Uh, so apologies to the Beeline family uh, for dragging him into this mess. But uh, I, I totally fair what you're saying. You know, the process has to be questioned. Yeah. I, I think the reporting has danced around it in some ways. I think it was Giannis's decision, right? I, I think the, I think the Bucks front office wanted to hire Nick Nurse. I think Giannis did not want to play for Nick Nurse for whatever reason. There's been rumblings that it came back to, hey, I want to play for somebody who played in the NBA. And Adrian Griffin technically did play in the NBA. He was a, a decent role player uh, in the in the late '90s and early 2000s. He was actually on the the Mavs '06 team that lost to the Heat in the finals, uh, which I, I didn't realize he had played like that recently. Which I know is yeah kind of long ago at this point, but um, nevertheless. You know, obviously the record is one thing, but I mean, I, you you probably don't watch the Bucks quite as closely as I do. Obviously, you're you're more of a Magic guy, but something was off with this team, man. Something was off. And again, I, I give credit to the Bucks for not just saying, "Hey, we're we're thirty and thirteen, everything's okay," because it clearly wasn't. It it really was not. I mean, there's been some, I wouldn't say off court stuff, but more like you know, kind of weird moments post game. You know, where it's like, "Oh, we won," but nobody really feels like we won. You know, Giannis, yeah. you know, pretty openly talking about you know some of the questions with the defensive scheme in particular. Brooke doing the same thing. Um, I, I, I think this was Milwaukee getting out in front of something that was not going to end well. And they knew it wasn't going to end well. Um, there's no guarantee that bringing in Doc Rivers salvages this, right? I would actually, I'd actually be okay with just handing it off to, to Joe Prunty. It's like, see if you could talk Terry Stotts to coming back in now with no Adrian Griffin. It seemed, it seemed like that was a one-to-one issue. I don't think there was some sort of problem between Stotts and the players or Stotts and the organization. I think he has an issue with Griffin. Uh, but I, I don't know that this Bucks team need someone like Doc Rivers. Like Doc Rivers, when he comes in, he kind of becomes the the CEO, the face of the franchise in some ways. And obviously that's still Giannis and Dame. You know, the, the Doc's not going to overshadow them, but I just don't know if that's the right type of coach. Like, I, I think you need you, you need somebody who's just kind of focusing on strategy. I don't know that the Bucks need the personality hire. Right. Yeah. I mean, Doc Rivers, you talk about a guy that can ensure an early playoff exit. And that is Doc Rivers. Uh, that is that, and it's been consistent over many seasons now with him as a head coach. He's still chasing after the, that second championship, and he's lived off of that that title that he got with the Boston Celtics for a long, long time now. Basically, since Adrian Griffin was playing in the NBA, if you want to timeline it. Well, and that was that was at a time, and you know, whatever. Doc, you know, Doc's got a coach of the year with the Magic, as you know. Yep. Um, that was at a time when the league was in my opinion, a little bit talent deficient, you know, the, the Celtics roster was completely loaded at that point. Right. I mean, you had KG, Allen Pierce, you had good role players as well. And, you know, I, I, I I'm not trying to take anything away from doc, but you know, I, I think a lot of coaches would have won the finals with that Celtics team is basically what I'm saying. And it's been failure after failure after failure since then. So I, you know, doc is a name. Absolutely. If, if you're Milwaukee and you're looking to make a splash, doc rivers is about as big of a name as you could bring in. I just, 
I don't, I don't know that this is exactly what the team needs. He did play in the NBA. So apparently that's a big deal to Giannis. Um, well, you do need somebody now. I don't think you can just bring somebody in that is that is like Adrian Griffin in the fact that they never coached in the NBA. I don't think you can throw somebody in in the middle of the season that needs to learn how to be a head coach and all of the responsibilities and the um, the tactical nature of it and every just everything else. It's a big job. There's a lot that goes into it, managing not only the personalities on the team, but also assistant coaches and media responsibilities you need somebody that's done it before that's been through the car wash for that reason doc makes sense but it's just so disappointing now with the benefit of hindsight you go back to the start of this whole process this was a premier job being able to coach Giannis and then they add Damian Lillard to being able to coach a team that had those two players on it you could have hired anyone you wanted and they would have taken this job if they were available and they blew that opportunity. So we'll see what they're able to do now. You're right. Last thing I'll say on this, I, I'm very interested to see, you know, is there an immediate change for this team? Uh, they're, they're home for the Cavaliers tonight, a team that blew them out. I mean, the Cavs have been blowing everybody out somehow uh, of late. So maybe that's oh, I saw that firsthand. Yeah, too. <laughs> My God. I, I put Sam I put, Merrill. Uh, I put him in a fantasy lineup this past week, just hoping of like, all right, if I could just get like five total threes on the week, that, that'd be a win. Um, you know, but well, he had man, eight on eight Monday, threes. so you he sure did. swing. Yeah. Oh, Dude, he's been a monster. I, I don't know what's going on with the Cavs, but I'm interested to see is there an immediate change, right? Like, does this team kind of snap back to looking like they did the last few years? Because I, I think that's kind of the undercurrent from the veterans is like, hey, we had a really good thing going here, and obviously, you fired the coach who was the, the head of that, so there, there's going to be some sort of change expected. But I, I think this team is like, hey, we, we know what to do. We have, for the most part, the same guys. You know, we, we think we can replicate, uh, you know, how we were rolling in past regular seasons. Like, it, it almost feels like the players, you know, have their own system that they want to install, right? And I think they were trying to instill that on Griffin earlier in the year. You know, I, I think one of the biggest faults for Griffin offensively, and, you know, the defense is a whole different ballgame. But you watch this team, and, like, I think if you didn't know who Damian Lillard was, if you were just somehow blindly watching a Bucks game, I don't know that you would look and he'd be like, oh, that's the guy that they brought in, you know, to, to be the number two. That's a guy who's a borderline top 10 player in the NBA. Like he hasn't really been used that way. And I think part of that credit to Dame for, I think he's going out of his way to try to fit in, but he's not, he's not really taking over games in the way that he used to. There's been a few spots here and there, um, but he, he's just, he, he kind of just looks like another guy out there. And he's, he's a very high level guy for the Bucks. but I don't think that's how you want this team to operate. You know, I think we, we sometimes we criticize the, my turn, your turn, type of offenses but when you have somebody like Giannis and you have someone like Dame like I, I almost think that's okay and I, I'd like to see a little bit more you know of Dame as the featured option and I, I think we do get that by default so I mean it sounds like they just maybe they don't have a good combo game but then but they also don't necessarily need to get in each other's way um so it, interesting I will be watching tonight because I think this is this is tracking to be a Milwaukee Bucks blowout. Whenever players in any sport get their way when it comes to firing a coach, they lock in to prove themselves. And the Cavs are due. They are overdue. Uh, after eight wins, the longest win streak in the NBA this season is nine. So it's hard to get there. And they would have to beat a team that is as focused as they've been all year and at home. I think this... Uh, this will be a Milwaukee blowout. So I'll be on the Bucks minus six and a half tonight watching on League Pass, unless it's on All national right. TV. 
I don't believe I don't know. it is. I don't know what the national TV game is tonight. I would be I believe that is the map. Yeah, no, that one's not. It's the Mavericks and the Suns. That's a good one, too. Yeah, that's a banger. All right, let's get to some questions in the chat. Uh, Shizzle09 says, 12-team, 9-cat league, Scoot or Grayson Allen, rest of season? Boy, these uh, these Blazers are a tough watch, I'll tell you that. Um, I think I'd give my shot to to Scoot, though. I, um, you know, I, I know the percentages can be a little rough around the edges, but um, I think... I think he's starting to put it together a little bit more. And Grayson Allen is just, I like Grayson Allen, but if you're comparing the two, he can fade into the background too much with that, that Suns team that's rounding into form. I would lean Grayson Allen, uh, partially, as I've said on the show many times, because I'm, I'm a wuss when it comes to these type of situations. I want the safer option, and I think that's Grayson Allen, right? And, you know, he's obviously been on a, a crazy heater over the last few weeks, and that's going to come back down to earth at some point. But especially in a nine-cat league, the turnovers with Scoot are a big issue. I mean, that's like three to four turnovers a game, sometimes more. Uh, yeah, the percentages obviously have been terrible. Like his last 15 games have been easily his best stretch of the season. 14 points, six assists. That's great. You know, almost four boards. Not really giving you a whole lot defensively. You know, he, he has one multi-steal game in that span, despite playing close to 30 minutes. And he's 36% from the field, 74% at the line on a decent volume, almost four free throw attempts per game. So like in a points league, I, I think there, you know, Scoot is, is defensible, but I think the percentages and the turnovers really kill you in nine cats. So we'll, we'll split on that one. Um, George says, good morning, Nick and Brandon. Good morning, George. Good to see you. Uh, I saw George was also asking where, uh, where we're from or where we are. I'm in Orlando and Nick is in Milwaukee. Yes. Yes. So we've so got the Eastern Florida conference covered on this podcast. Yeah. Golf season also very far away uh, up here in, in Milwaukee, but uh, heading, heading to Arizona. We're getting south this weekend. Uh, I can tell you right now we have like still eight inches of snow on the ground, so we will not be playing golf in Wisconsin anytime soon. Uh, Aditya says, what up, Nick and Brandon? Shout out from Jakarta, Indonesia. It's 1037 wow. p.m. here. Wow. All right. Shout out to Indonesia. Yeah. We are expanding, expanding the, the brand. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and Aditya follows up with a question. He says, Josh Giddy was just dropped in his league. Is he worth a grab? This is a Yahoo head-to-head 12-team, 15-category league. Um, and for context, this is your typical nine-cat plus field goals made, free throws made, three-point percentage, double-doubles, triple-doubles, and flagrant fouls. All right, interesting. Um, he says TJ McConnell would be his drop. He has Halliburton on IL. So basically, would, he, would you drop McConnell to pick up Giddy? Um, I don't think I would. And, and I, and I think the Halliburton factor in your lineup is a big reason why, uh, one for one, I would rather have Giddy than McConnell. But when I, I, I'm guaranteeing that I have the Pacers starting point guard, I think that's more valuable than Giddy. So I would hold and then swap when Halliburton comes back in a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, the McConnell thing has been weird. Like I, I thought we were set up for a pretty nice run here. For McConnell with with Halliburton out and the minutes have kind of been all over the place obviously he's been mostly coming off the bench um you know even with Halliburton out the other night he, he only played 12 minutes um so I you know there, there's certainly some steals upside there's there's a little bit more assists upside with McConnell but I I think in this situation I would just grab Giddy and you're hoping you know Halliburton's back by the end of this week right it could be only two more games and then he's back in the mix and McConnell becomes a little bit more relevant especially in the 12 team league so not, not the biggest Josh Giddy guy, but I think there's there's a little bit more there and certainly going to be more consistency with him 
than there would be McConnell. Um, all right. Zip says, hi, he's in a 10-team, nine-cat Roto League. He's punting points, and he does not need blocks. So with that in mind, what are our thoughts on potentially trading Trey Young and Chet Holmgren for James Harden and Laurie Markkinen? He says, instead of Harden, he could also ask for Halliburton or Curry. So a potential blockbuster cooking up here. Wow. Uh, could ask for Halliburton or Curry instead of instead of James Harden. I, I assume that that's what that means. I like that. Yeah. And especially when you put it the way that you do points, uh, that's primarily what you're getting from Trey Young. Blocks, you get a bunch of those from Chet Holmgren. So I'm not worried about that. Um Lori Markkinen's filling up the stat sheet. Love the way the Jazz have been playing outside of uh, last night's disaster. And, yeah, I'm a, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is such a fantasy monster. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would go for Halliburton and Markkinen personally, but you can sell me on James Harden for the mm-hmm. 14th time this year. Yeah, I mean, I, really any of those guys are fine for me. Um you know, I I don't know that you necessarily need to make this trade. I guess if you're if you're super heavy on blocks and you, you feel like you're okay there, then you know parting ways with Chad is fine. Markkinen doesn't really block shots; he's just points, rebounds, threes, and percentages there. So I, I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, Trey Trey Young versus Halliburton versus Curry versus Harden; those guys are all in the same general range. I I, I think, <laughs> excuse me, I'd probably I'd probably prefer Halliburton the most out of those, especially if you think he's going to stay healthy. So I would start there. And then kind of go down the ladder. Um, you know, obviously you're, you're buying somewhat low on Steph Curry, which is, you know we're speaking in Steph Curry terms, so he's, he's still an elite player. But I, yeah, I, I think this is a fine deal um, given your, your category needs. Ian says he's in a nine cat league. He's got a trade question here. Should he trade De'Aaron Fox, John Collins, and DeAndre Ayton for Tyrese Maxey and Jeremy Grant? So I, I guess I, I shouldn't say I know which side he's on here, but basically. Fox, Collins, and Aiton, or Maxi and Grant? Which side do you want? Mm. I definitely want Tyrese Maxi, but I'm not really in love with the idea of giving up De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I think I'd rather have the uh, the first end of the deal. De'Aaron Fox, John Collins, take my chances on him. And and DeAndre Ayton, I know, has been frustrating, but you get him back in that lineup, I and mean, he's going to put up numbers uh, with the Blazers. I don't know who else is really grabbing rebounds there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean... Maxie's the best player in the deal, so I get the appeal. I, you know, the percentages are better. Um, you know, they're, they're I, I, I'm not going to tell you to not go get Tyrese Maxie, but I, I do think this being a three for two makes the makes a difference for me. Like I, I think I'd just rather keep the three side of this one. And I know Aiden's kind of a depressing player to own, and Collins is all over the place, but I, I think on aggregate, that's still the better side here. Jeremy Grant, super inconsistent, um, not really as good of a fantasy player in category leagues as you think. I mean, he's outside the top 100 on the year, uh, despite scoring pretty well, you know, there's nights where he just doesn't really give you anything else. So if, if, you know, if there's a third player that you could attach, you know, to the maxi grant side, maybe that evens it out. Um, and, you know, certainly I would, I would, again, much rather have maxi than Fox, but yeah, I would, I would stick with the, the three player side of this one. Um, Ian also asked, when is the return of Evan Mobley and would you trade him for Aiton and John Collins? Okay. So kind of a follow-up here. No idea on Mobley. Uh, you know, the Cavs have been playing so well that like we haven't even thought about Mobley and Garland in a while. Uh, there was a report about a week ago that Mobley had begun doing some conditioning work. That was last Monday. Uh, they said the the projected six to eight week timeline that that we got 
in mid-December is still on track. So that would mean that he could be back as early as the week before the All-Star break. I wouldn't be surprised if they just take it easy and, and he's not back until February 22nd when they resume play against Orlando. Um, so that would be the Mobley side of things. I don't know, man. I If you need the immediate help, then yeah, because I I, I think you, you know, you're getting three extra weeks potentially out of Aiton and Collins. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I'm not in love with making this move. February, mid-February will be here before you know it. But if you're scratching and clawing for wins, you got to do what you got to do. And you could certainly do worse than Aiton and Collins. Um, but if you have a suitable replacement for Evan Mobley, and it's just a it's just a bit of a downgrade from those other guys, I, I wouldn't panic just yet. Um, he's clearly going to be a factor. He's a, a defensive player of the year candidate type of player. And I know the Cavs have played well without him, but they'll welcome him back with open arms when he's available. All right, we'll hit a handful more of these before we head out. Um, all right, so here's a good one. Who would you stash for the rest of the season in a 12-team, nine-cat league? Scoot Henderson, DeAndre Hunter, or Asar Thompson? Hmm. Um, DeAndre Hunter is... Uh, Asar Thompson I'm out on at this point. Um love what we got from him at the start of the year i think those days are are over um scoot I, I i can't quit scoot henderson so i'd between i'd be between scoot and deandre hunter i think it just depends on what you need yeah i i, don't, I think if you're shooting for upside scoot you know if you're talking about somebody that it's not gonna be in your lineup most weeks and you just kind of want the option to throw him out there that would probably be my choice I, again i'm not the biggest scoot guy i think there's a disconnect between like his actual value and his future as a player versus his immediate fantasy value but not out of the question that you know he could be good down the stretch especially if portland you know trades about brogdon pulls back on some other veterans you know we saw it with shane sharp at the end of last year had that incredible like 10 game run at the end of the season so I don't know. I, I would say either Scoot or Asar, just because if, if you're holding somebody for like a late season cash in, I just don't know. Like DeAndre Hunter, what's the ceiling here, right? Is He's like the 85th best player over the last few weeks of the year. Like, I don't know. They got Sadiq Bay, They got Jalen Johnson. So I, I would go Scoot or Asar if you're shooting for upside. Yeah. He hasn't played since December 20th, right. but he is, he's an excellent player when he's out there. So that's the appeal. Is Brooke Lopez for Terry Rozier a fair trade? Yeah, I haven't. I so. Yeah, I haven't thought a lot about Brooke Lopez lately. I don't. I, has he faded into the uh, into the the background abyss in the uh, fantasy landscape? Uh, he got like, off to a great start. I mean, he's still a top thirty guy on the year. He's missed zero times, played every game. Um, you know, he's kind of giving you your typical Brooke Lopez stat line. You know, underwhelming as a rebounder, scoring's down a little bit. Two point nine blocks per game, though, and that's really what you're after is the blocks. Yeah. Yeah, the the Bucks overall haven't been as good defensively, but his stats are still good. Um, I uh, is Brooke Lopez. For, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair trade. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Obviously, you're targeting the blocks with with Lopez, and you know, you'd be if you're selling Rozier, you're selling high. But you know, I also think we expect a a bit of a come down. You know, now that he he's in Miami, um, you think people right. should wait if they're gonna if they want to trade for Terry Rozier, wait to see depressed numbers. In Miami, a little bit of panic because um, he plays a more efficient but less volume-based role. Yeah. Uh, we got a follow-up from uh, Aditya, by the way, Brandon. It says he went to high school one hour south of Orlando in right. Melbourne, Florida. Great beaches down there. 
I'm sure I that, that was a good experience. I, I would certainly imagine probably probably better than going to high school in, in rural Wisconsin, uh, where there are zero <laughs> beaches. Great experience. Love it. Wouldn't trade it for anything, but no beaches. Um, all right. Good question about the Jazz. Who are the most valuable fantasy assets on the Utah Jazz for the remainder of the season? And how valuable is Colin Sexton? Uh, I mean, Jazz continue to play well. I, I think I, they're they're obviously not a title contending team. So anything could be on the table as far as what direction they choose. But um, I mean, Sexton has been awesome over the last few weeks. You know, if, if you held on in the early portion of the season when they were playing him 17 minutes off the bench, uh, you, you've cashed in. I mean, ever since he entered the starting lineup, He's been at 23 points, two and a half rebounds, five assists, really good percentages, 52, 42, 89 over the last 22 games for Sexton. Yeah, I, um, I'm, they've been starting Simone Fontecchio uh, recently. They knocked down some threes. So, I, I mean, as long as they're going to keep him in the starting lineup, that's sort of an under-the-radar on and off the waiver wire kind of guy that you could look at. We talked about John Collins as part of the mix. Um, but I, I think it's really just – it's the big names that that's what's been carrying the load for Utah. They've been playing great marketing Clarkson and Sexton has really been the reason why uh, they've been successful over everything else. So I don't, I don't, I'm not falling over myself just because they've been playing well to add a bunch of jazz players. All right, we'll do a couple more and then we'll be out of here. Uh, Guilford says he got Curry for Sabonis in a 12 team Roto league. What are our thoughts? Interesting deal. For yeah. Sure. Um, Anytime you can add DeMontis Sabonis, I'm a I'm a fan yeah. of that. You know, uh, Steph, Steph is still amazing, but um, I think we're seeing a, a bit of a decline. I mean, definitely a decline with the Warriors overall. Um, but Sabonis is just such a well-rounded player, and the more categories you got to worry about, the more interested I am in DeMontis Sabonis because he, do, he does a little bit of everything. So I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like both sides of this. I think they've been they've been very comparable this season. Um, you know, I, it, very different players, of course. Like, you know, if you're if you're giving up Sabonis, you're sacrificing rebounding, um, you're sacrificing field goal percentage, but you're gaining a ton in terms of threes. Uh, you know, pretty comparable in terms of assists at this point. Um, but you know, really, it's the rebounds, it's the field goal percentage, and Sabonis does kill you at the free throw line too. I mean, five point two attempts per game, sixty seven percent. So. If you're getting Curry, you know, it's a big boost in threes. It should be a big boost in free throws as well. Uh, George says, thoughts on Miles Bridges rest of season. Love owning him so far, but just concerned with the two-game week during our finals week in week 21. Um, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, a good idea. Wow, always be looking look ahead. ahead. Yeah. Who would you target if you were to trade Miles Bridges? Hmm. So Bridges ranks about 50th overall on the season. Um, I, I, I I like him as well. Um you know, you do worry a little bit, you know, we, we talked about somebody that could be moved at the deadline if they don't want to resign him, you know, he is expiring after this year. I, I shoot for players in his range, right? I mean, it's sounds obvious, I, I guess, but you know, could you get, could you get Bam out of bio? Um, you know, could you get to Marta Rosen? You know, Anthony Edwards only ranks a few spots ahead of him. Probably can't pull that one off, but maybe, That'd be tough. Um, you know, someone like Franz Wagner, uh, I, I'd have to take a look and, and kind of, you know, zoom ahead in the schedule to, to see what the game weeks look like. But um yeah, if you're if you're in, sitting in a good spot and starting to look ahead at, at your finals week, that, that means you're having a pretty good season. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I knew what the uh, what the games tracked like for all these teams come the end of the regular season. But uh, I think some of the names names that Nick brought up um, would be yeah phenomenal ads. Uh, Franz Wagner, I can speak to for sure in terms of just 
him coming back from injury and and uh you know he looks like his old self again and so uh, I wouldn't be I think some people may look at uh, the game log and and get a little spooked because of all that missed time missed nine games and yeah. then came back and was a little slow out of the gate but I think he looks pretty good um Brandon Ingram be another one love the way the Pelicans are playing as well um Desmond Bain with all of the work that he has on his back now and um, who knows with the way that the Memphis Grizzlies season is tracking, he could end up being a guy that lands in an even better situation. Um, Kate Cunningham back from injury tonight. If you can find a way to get him on your roster, I, I, I'd be game for that too. James asked, should I trade Jaron Jackson for Ant-Man? Uh, and then he, he followed up and said, he's thinking about offering Jaron Jackson plus Cam Johnson for Anthony Edwards. Even even with with attaching Cam, I think I'm okay with this. Um, you know, Jared Jackson could very well go on a crazy run over the next month, but the efficiency is going to be all over the place. Like the shot blocking has kind of fallen off a cliff. Like when he has to operate as their number one option, he's just not the same guy on defense. And you could find comparable players in terms of what he does offensively. Like the, the whole reason you took Jared Jackson early in the draft or paid up for him in an auction was because you thought you were getting, you know. 2.5 plus blocks per game on top of what everything else he does. And that just has not been consistent. So I know, I know Ant's been a pretty big disappointment. You know, he ranks quite a bit lower than you'd think on the year. I would, I would rather have Ant the rest of the way. So I, I would do that deal. Yeah. And I think the reason why is just, he's not really giving you a lot outside of he's got good sp- scoring outputs, but um, I don't think if you were to compare the numbers that he was, that he's been as prolific as he was a year ago. Doesn't really do a lot on the defensive end because their defense is anchored by those frontline guys and those bigs, and he doesn't yeah. really have to do much. So, um, And the three-point percentage is way down. So, yeah, I, I still like Ant-Man, but I, I understand the question. I think I, think I would go Anthony Edwards and just kind of hope that there's a turnaround coming. All right, last one, then we'll get out of here. Is Nurkic and Kennard for Donovan Mitchell a fair trade? I would say if you if you're if you're getting Donovan Mitchell, then do this deal right now. I, I don't know that this is fair. I, I know Kennard. It's not. Yeah, Kennard's been better of late. Uh, yeah, we'll see how sustainable that is. Like you know, even over the last couple of weeks when he's been taken off, he's still like outside the top 100. Nurk's had a fine season. Feels like he's you know going to get injured at some point, like he does every year. So if somebody's offering you this deal and you're getting Donovan Mitchell do it. Uh, I think if you're offering this deal to somebody, they're probably going to turn it down. Yeah. Um, scoring, assisting, uh, steals. You're getting a lot with Donovan Mitchell and none of that's going away. It doesn't matter when Darius Garland comes back or any of that. So slam the button. No, it's yeah. not a fair deal. And that's why you should take it if you can. Yes. All right. Thanks for all the questions in the chat, guys. Uh, you guys make this fun pod for us to do. Hopefully it's informative every week. Uh, we'll have Rick Hamla and Dr. A back on the mic tomorrow afternoon, or actually, no, tomorrow morning. It should be around uh, 11 a.m. Eastern. And then Alex Barutha, Ken Kreitz, and Shannon McEwen coming to you on Friday. They'll be talking all things waiver wire, do a little weekend preview. Brandon, enjoy the rest of your week, man. I know it's been a crazy couple weeks for you, uh, but enjoy watching the Orlando Magic. I will enjoy playing golf the next few days, and we'll talk next Wednesday. Good luck out there. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.